Let's, uh, let's go to our text for today, Isaiah 66, verse 1 to 2. Isaiah 66, verse 1 to 2. Do we have the text? Yes, thank you. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things, and so they came into being, declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in heart and who tremble at my word. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for this time. Thank you for this morning. We get to worship you, and we get to give. And thank you for Andy's testimony, God, and his prayer over our church. I pray that we would continue to witness the power of God in healing and in breakthrough. God, help us to seek your face and um, continue to pray with faith, God, with all the things that we're praying for. Thank you for being with us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, the title of my message today is Growing in the Fear of God, Growing in the Fear of God. There, the text that we read today, there is no direct mention of the fear of God, the fear of the Lord, but I think these two verses really encapsulate what it means or what it looks like to have the fear of God. It says, heaven is God's throne and the earth is his footstool. Heaven is is God's throne and the earth is his footstool. What does that mean? It means he is altogether greater than we are, right? Unimaginable, uh, he's vast, he's great, and his power, his majesty, his glory is beyond our imagination. It's immeasurable. And then it says, uh, it says, these are the ones I look on with favor. The scripture is showing us what is the appropriate response to a God that is this great? And it says that the appropriate way to interact with him is to be humble, humble before God, contrite in spirit. Contrite, if you Google that, it means feeling or expressing remorse at the recognition that one has done wrong. That means... When we come before God, we recognize our sinfulness before Him. We, we recognize our sinfulness at the purity and the holiness of God. So humble, contrite in spirit, and one who trembles at His word. We're trembling at His word. We have this holy fear as we come before God. I felt led to speak on this topic, growing in the fear of God, especially in the area of taking sin seriously. Taking the Word of God seriously. Our theme for the year is Come Holy Spirit, right? We want to be a church that hosts the presence of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Come Holy Spirit. You know, we want this year to be a special year where we encounter the Holy Spirit, but not only just encountering, experiencing the coming of the Holy Spirit, but really hosting the presence, right? That the Holy Spirit would remain on us. There's a book written by our church mentor, R.T. Kendall. There's a book titled, 
the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. The sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. Not sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. It's not a book about, let's try to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Artie Kendall is saying, no, the Holy Spirit is very sensitive. Apparently, he wanted to title it, The Hypersensitivity of the Holy Spirit. And the publisher said, no, don't do that. That's, that's a weird title. The Holy Spirit being hypersensitive. Are you a sensitive person? I am a sensitive person. Hyper, sometimes I look, look that up. Hypersensitive personality. Do I have that? Sometimes I can be very sensitive. Um, in a good way, I'm sensitive to the feelings of others. In a bad way, I'm sensitive to how people treat me. Right? There's, there's, it, it works in both ways. But, but R.T. Kendall is saying, no, the Holy Spirit is sensitive. He comes when he pleases, and he will leave if something is going on that is offensive to the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 1, verse 32, it says, The Spirit came down from heaven as a dove and remained. Remained. I don't know where it remained. But it remained on Jesus. And that, that verse is what really spoke to R.T. Kendall. And as he was reflecting on it, you know, how difficult it is to have the Spirit of God remain on us. Of course, we all have the Holy Spirit in us. If we have come to faith in Jesus Christ, we have the Spirit of God in us. We can't do that. We can't come to faith on our own. But this manifest presence of the Holy Spirit, maybe the fullness of the Holy Spirit remaining on us, that's difficult. He comes on His terms, not ours. Which means we need to yield to Him fully. We need to yield to Him. We need to uh, live this life in a way that is pleasing to Him. We need to walk in the fear of the Lord. So that was kind of my heart as I, I, I downloaded this topic for this Sunday. So again, I have three points. I like three points, so I have three points. The first point that I want to go through is more than simply being afraid. Having the fear of God is not just, I'm so afraid of God, I'm scared of God. There is an aspect of that, but it's much more than simply being afraid of God. Uh, the concept of fearing God is mentioned 144 times in the Bible. And some of those instances, it's, it is just people being scared of God. Right? So that, that idea is there. But what do we do when we are scared of someone? You avoid that person, right? It, you, you, you turn away from that person. Uh, it's the picture of Adam and Eve when they sin. They have their fall and they're hiding. When God comes into the garden, they're hiding because they're so afraid. That's what we do when we're afraid of someone. Uh, when I was a kid... <clears throat> I was living in Korea. I don't know how old I was. Probably around eight, year, eight years old. Eight or nine, maybe. And uh, remember, a few weeks ago, Pastor Sam talked about uh, his son, Andrew. How Andrew is this sensitive boy. Well, that's, that was me. <laughs> I was a sensitive boy, uh, but less extroverted and more shy. Okay, so I'm this shy, sensitive boy, but very polite to grown-ups. So I was, I was always, I was a very good Korean boy. I always bowed 
very politely and greeting just people that are older than me because I thought that was the right thing to do. It just it flowed out of me very naturally. And most people, most grown-ups loved me because I was this polite, you know, nice kid that, you know, was, was bowing and greeting properly. But for some reason, there was one minibus driver. So back then in Korea, kids around that age, we would just take the bus to go to school, come back, go to church and come back. And so I don't, I don't know where, what the route of this bus was, but I would have to take this particular minibus route regularly. And uh, for whatever reason, this one minibus driver, he just didn't like me. I just, he, he always looked very upset and very unhappy. And I must have like bowed to him, but he didn't, he didn't give me any recognition. He just seemed very upset. And over time, this was actually an inner healing issue for me like many years ago. <laughs> over time, I grew very like afraid of this guy. I just looked angry. And then I had this one particular incident. You know, I, um, I was getting on the bus and I knew I had the bus fare in my pocket. But I, as I'm getting on the bus, he's looking at me like, where's your bus fare? And I'm looking in my pocket and I can't find it. I'm like, where is this coin? And I'm so like, so afraid. And he looks so angry. You know, I'm looking back now, he probably wasn't that mean. But as a child, and he just, even when he looked a little bit upset, I was so afraid. And I think he said, like, where's your bus fare? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't have it. But I had to get on. So I got on the bus. He let me ride the bus for free, basically. But uh, I was so afraid and so, like, ooh. And then I got off the bus. And then I found the coin. I was like, why was it hidden? I don't know what was going on. But I couldn't find it at the time. I was so afraid. And, and, and afterwards... Every time I take the minibus, I'm hoping that it won't be him because I'm so afraid of this guy. That's what, that's, that's what we do when we're scared of someone, right? I'm sure you have experienced, I don't know whether it's your boss or your, your grandfather or father, whatever. It's some, some authority figure that you're so scared of and you just freeze when you see that person. But we know the heart of God, the father heart of God, that that's not his heart, right? The father heart of God is not like the driver who is annoyed at this little kid and wants to express how annoyed he is with, with you. That's not the heart of the father. We know that the heart of the father is not for you to be afraid of him, not for you to be scared and terrified of being in his presence. Many times in scripture, it says, to those who are afraid in God's presence, God says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. We'll just look at one example. Luke chapter 5, verse 8. <clears throat> when Simon Peter saw this, this great catch of the fish, right? he had been fishing all day long, no, no fruit, and Jesus comes on the scene and he says, why don't you put your net down here? And they do it and they catch this great amount of fish. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. 
From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. So Peter sees the glory and the power of Jesus, and he's actually, his immediate response is fear and terror. He sees the glory of Jesus, and then he's made aware of his own sinfulness, and he says, oh my gosh, I cannot be in this presence. Like, something bad is going to happen to me. I'm a sinful man. Go away from me. But Jesus draws him close, right? Don't be afraid. That's actually an invitation for him to follow him. When he says, you're going to be fishing for people, it's his invitation to follow him. And we read in verse 10, uh, verse 11, that all of them, they pulled up their boats and they started following Jesus. It's as if Jesus is saying this. He's saying, hey, it's good for you to fear me, but don't be afraid. Come, be with me and follow me. There's another text I want to read to you. It it really illustrates this difference between just being afraid of God and having the fear of the Lord. Exodus chapter 20, verse 18. Exodus chapter 20, verse 18. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. This is when the Israelites have come out of Egypt. Before they go into the promised land, they go to Mount Sinai to encounter God, to encounter the presence of God. And the presence of God comes in thunder and lightning and smoke and fire on this mountain. And so they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen But do not have God speak to us or we will die. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, right? Do not fear. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Isn't that an interesting text? He says, don't fear. God's doing this so that you will have the fear of God. It's like, don't fear, but you have the fear of God. It's good. And we see the contrast. Moses is saying, no, don't, you don't have to be afraid to come and hear the voice of God because you are called to be a nation of priests. You're called to be his people. He's drawing you close. But they remain in this place of just being afraid. They remain in this place of just being afraid of God so they never come close and they refuse to hear God speak to them directly. And they say, Moses, you go speak to God. So if we can go back to the text. So verse 20, Moses said to the people, don't, don't be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. So people, the, the, the people of Israel remain in this place of just being afraid of God and they keep their distance, they avoid. Whereas Moses, he has the true fear of God on him. He has this reverence, this sense of awe before God, which allows him actually to come close into his presence. The passage illustrates the difference between the fear of God and simply just being afraid of God. So if the fear of God... Having the fear of God is, is not simply just being terrified and afraid and scared of God. Then what is it? 
I would like to go back to the text we read when we started the message, Isaiah 66, verse 1 through 2. If you can have that up again, please. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. I think that really encapsulates what it means to have the fear of God. The next slide, please. The fear of God. It's hard to come up with one definition, but this, these are some of the characteristics of having the fear of God. It's this recognition of the utter otherness of God. He's not like us. He's not one of us. He's not just one of us that we can just be chummy chummy with. Right? He is the creator of the universe. Heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. He's the one that created all things. The utter otherness of God. He's not just like us. He's not just one of us. So it's this recognition of his otherness, his holiness, and then at that recognition, we are being awestruck in his presence. We are awestruck. We don't know what to say. Oh, we fall to our knees and we, we are speechless. There's no words to describe his glory. There's no words to describe our sense of awe and, and, and wonder and, and his glory, his power, his majesty. And with that, we have absolute humility, absolute humility before God and brokenness over our sin. We recognize at the, at the presence of the purity of God, the holiness of God, we recognize our sin and we are broken and we're contrite in spirit. That is having the fear of God. And I think we need to grow in that. Point number two. The radical middle, <clears throat> the radical middle, the love of God and the fear of God. The radical middle, the love of God and the fear of God. I believe we need to grow in both understanding the love of God, but also understanding the fear of God. Those two, I don't think they're intention. As in, if you pursue one, you're running away from the other. I think, this is how I kind of picture it. It is me right here. And then God is this so vast. He's like here. And as we get closer to God, we grow in both. The love of God, knowing his kindness, his tenderness, his mercy. But we also grow in the fear of God, his holiness, and this attitude of utter reverence and awe and humility before God. The love of God, the tenderness of God, the kindness of God, those are all true. Amen? Those are all true. The love of God, the tenderness, the kindness, the compassion of God, that, those are, that's what's so amazing about God, right? His grace, His mercy, His love, His compassion, His goodness. That is where we get our joy, right? We have joy and we have freedom in this relationship with God because He is a kind Father. He is compassionate, He's gracious, He's merciful. The love of God is so great that we have freedom in His presence. And Hebrews 10, 19, it says we have confidence to come into the presence of God. We have confidence because of who he is, his love, his character, his kindness, and what he has done on the cross to forgive us of our sins. 
We have confidence in the presence of God. We don't have to be like me on that minibus struggling to find my coin and so afraid of trying to avoid this guy. That's not the picture of our relationship with God. We have confidence in his presence. But I want to point this out. The confidence does not mean casualness, right? Confidence before God doesn't mean casualness before God. When I was, uh, so I grew up in Korea until I was 11. Very uh, honor, honoring culture, culture of honor, right? Honoring the elderly. And then I moved to Hong Kong, Asia, still Asia. So we still have a little bit less than Korea because, you know, I started speaking English and more westernized. But still, my environment is very much honoring the elderly, and then when I was 17 years old, I went to the U.S. for university. And wow, what a culture shock. These young 18, 19-year-old kids are calling their professors by their first name. What is that? I was like, that's so strange. How can you do that? How can you just call your professor? And even the professors, they want you to call them by their first name. Oh, just call me Matthew. I had a professor named Matthew. Just, I forget this other guy, but his name was Brad or something. He was my youth, youth pastor. He's, like, he's teaching a class in youth, youth ministry. Just call me Brad. All these young, like, youth pastory kids, you know, 18, 19-year-old, just want to, like, what's up, Brad? You know, like, Shelly was another youth ministry teacher. He's like, oh, just call me Shelly. She was like an older lady, probably in her 50s. Brad, at least, was like in his 30s. I'm like, that's so weird. How can you do that? I never called any of my professors by their first name. Always Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so. I just didn't, it just didn't seem right to me. And then, um, and you know, so in some ways, this culture of like seniority hierarchy, there are negatives with that too. But I think when it comes to having this heart of honor, and respect before God, I think there are some positive qualities of this Asian culture that we live in. I think, I think it's wrong to be so casual. We can, shouldn't be so casual before God. Um, oh, there's some photos I wanted to show you. <clears throat> Jesus is my homeboy. What is that? There's another one. Jesus is my homie. You know, there's a song by Hillsong United from a long time ago. Jesus, you are my best friend. You will always be. And I, and I get the idea. I get the idea with these pictures. Jesus is my homeboy. homie. But I want to say, I, I get the heart and the idea, but I think you're wrong. I don't think Jesus is your homeboy. Right? <laughs> Jesus is not just your homie that you're just like chummy chummy with. He's utterly other. He's different. He, you're not on the same level. Um, <clears throat> this is what Scripture says about friendship with God. I want to read two verses. Psalm 25, verse 14. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him, and He makes known to them His covenant. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him. John 15, verse 14. Jesus says this. This is where we get that song. And these pictures are from 
that this, this verse, because Jesus says to the disciples, you are my friends. I, I, I no longer call you my servants. I call you my friends. But this is what he says about what it means to be a friend of Jesus. You are my friend if you do what I command. What kind of friendship is that? <laughs> that, that is not friendship. But that's, that, that's a strange kind of friendship. But that's the friendship of Jesus. He's not just your homeboy. You just throw out different ideas. You brainstorm together. You're like, oh, let's do this. No, let's go here. No, Jesus says, you are my friend if you do everything that I command you to do. If you do them, you're my friend. John Bevere, John Bevere, he's a preacher, author. He's written the book, The Bait of Satan, that we read as a church sometimes when we talk about that book. He, uh, I, I listened to a few of, of different sermons on the fear of God, and he shares this story. He says, when he first became uh, like the big boss of this organization, I think he started this organization, his uh, leadership um, philosophy was, I'm going to be friends with all the people that work with me, right? I'm going to be their best friend. And so I guess he hired this guy. And from the get-go, they were like, we're equal. You know, we're going to be best friends. And they would have him over, eat together, hang out together. And things were going great until it was not. Until this person started doing things that didn't meet the standard. And then John Bevere says it was a struggle because we're buddies. But I have to talk to him. So... He got over the uh, tension and he spoke with him and he said, hey, what you're doing, this and this, I don't know what exactly was going on. Like, this is not okay. You need to stop. And then this person flipped out and he's like, what is this? You know, I thought we were friends. You're terrible. You're a terrible boss. Look at you. Look, you're not very good at it. And he quit. And so Bevere was like broken hearted and he's like, oh man, what's going on? But he learned and he said, oh, I can't do that. If I'm going to lead this organization, I can't just be friends with all the people that are on my team. I have to lead them. And so he set correct boundaries. And then later on, I guess this person came back. He actually humbled himself and he recognized, man, it was so great to be working with you. And I've, you know, I've changed my heart. Would you still take me on? And so he came back, set the boundaries, correct boundary of leader and follower. And then... Bevere said, once that boundary was set, and then he proved himself as a hardworking person, you know, doing what he was asked to do at the right level and all that, then a, a friendship began to develop, you know? Within that correct boundary, Bevere was able to draw him closer and actually invite him over and have that friendship again, that closeness, that intimacy again. But it was a different kind of friendship, right? It's a different kind of friendship. Friendship between equals, peers, then you're a bro. Like, what's up, bro? Right? That's, you're a bro, but Jesus is not your bro. Friendship with a superior, friendship with your boss, your supervisor, yes, you can be friends, but that's on his terms, her terms. When you do what you're asked to do, then the supervisor, if, if, if they have the heart of wanting to be intimate with you, close with you, they'll draw you in. But it's, it's on their terms, not your own terms. 
James chapter 2 says Abraham was a friend of God. But if you look at the life of Abraham and his relationship with God, there is nothing casual about that relationship. Abraham is always full humility, understanding that he has to be obedient to God and do what God tells him to do. That's how we have friendship with God. So, so I believe we got to grow in both the love of God and the fear of God. So we grow in this confidence before God. We grow. As we grow closer to God, we grow in our confidence. We grow in our joy. We grow in our freedom. But at the same time, we grow in our understanding of the holiness of God. And we grow in our humility before God. The, uh, one of the, an illustration I, th- I thought of, it's an, I, I know it's an imperfect illustration, but the one that I could think of was something like the ocean. There is a real-life Aquaman, if you can YouTube him. His name is Tavi Castro. He looks like Aquaman. He's like a bodybuilder, but he also dives really deep. He's trained himself to dive really, really deep into the ocean. And he can hold his breath for a long time. And his videos look so cool because he really literally looks like Aquaman, real-life Aquaman. But, you know, there are people like that, right, that are really familiar with the ocean, like people that go surfing, like, in the deep sea, these huge waves, people that go diving, like Tavi Castro. Uh, I haven't seen an interview of Tavi Castro, but I, I feel like I must have seen an interview like this of someone that is, like, very familiar with the ocean. What do they say about the ocean? Do they say, oh, because I have been swimming all my life, because I'm doing this crazy surf in the deep sea and I'm familiar with the waves, I just casually walk in. The ocean is my back door, backyard, playground. I'm just whatever. No, they always have this deep respect, right? They always understand, like, this is, this is not a trivial thing to go this deep into the ocean. This is not a trivial thing to go this deep into the sea to serve this kind of way. You cannot joke around it's not a casual thing to go to those places and ride that kind of a wave and go this depth of, of the ocean so they so how do they get to the place of being able to do all that is because they have this deep sense of respect and fear they understand that the ocean is not something to be joked around with the ocean is not your bro you just like whatever Right? They have, I understand that this could kill me. And that's, uh, there's always a warning, you know, don't do this at home, right? This, they are pro- professionally trained, you know, athletes that do this. And so, but, but, but because they, they train and they do this with this healthy sense of fear and respect, they have a growing sense of freedom, Right? They do have this confidence in the water. They do have this confidence and freedom and joy in the ocean. They love just being in the water. They're so free. Yet, and, and the better they get, the more free they will get. But the deeper they go and, and the bigger waves they ride, I'm sure their sense of fear and respect also grows. So in that way, as we get closer and closer to God, it needs to grow in both ways. Point number three, stop 
tolerating sin. Point number three, stop tolerating sin. Proverbs 8, verse 13. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. To walk in the fear of God, for us to walk in the fear of God, for us to host the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we must stop tolerating sin. We must stop tolerating sin. We have to stop giving in. We have to stop giving in to sin. We have to stop settling for a half-hearted holiness. We have to stop settling for just half-hearted effort in combating sin. Of course, we will never be sinless, right? We're always going to have sin. As long as we're here on this earth, we're going to have sin. We're going to mess up. We're going to fail. But we must stop saying it's okay. It's not okay. We have to stop tolerating sin in our lives and in the lives of our friends. Say, no, that's not okay. That's not, actually, that's not okay. Stop getting just a little drunk on the weekends. Because drunkenness is sin. Stop getting a little drunk on the weekends. Stop fooling around just a little bit with your girlfriend and boyfriend. Stop doing it. Stop fooling around just a little bit. Right? Crossing the line here and there. Everybody does it. It's not okay. Stop giving in to just a little bit of porn here and there. It's not okay. We got to stop tolerating sin in our lives and in our church. Stop hiding things from your spouse. Stop hiding things. Stop lying. Stop telling, hiding little, little lies, you know, half-truths. Stop telling half-truths at work, exaggerating your numbers, trying to make sure your performance seems better than maybe what it is. Again, of course, we will fail. But again, our response must go beyond a casual, ah, oh, well, I tried. I don't think that's good enough. I don't think that's good. You guys know what I'm saying. So you guys stop tolerating sin. Stop tolerating sin. James chapter 4, verse 7 to 10. James chapter 4, verse 7 to 10. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Man, that's not, that's not a verse I think we often meditate upon. But that's, it's in the Bible. For sure, 
there is forgiveness in the Lord, right? For sure, we're going to fail. For sure, we can come to God, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. For sure, there is forgiveness, complete forgiveness and healing and freedom in the Lord. And there will be joy. There will be joy in the Lord. He will lift us up when we humble ourselves before him. So this, this is not saying you just need to be gloomy and just broken and sad and, 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 and afraid all the time. That's not what this verse is saying. But this verse is saying the right response to sin is not a casual, well, I mean, I try, but you know, God, God understands. Like, it's okay. No. The right response to sin is grieve, mourn, and wail. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Humble yourselves before God and repent. That's the only response that is appropriate to sin in our lives. But I just think, ah, man, I mean, including me, like all, just our culture, we're, we're so casual before God. Sin is such a trivial thing. And I think we need to grow out of that and recognize, hey, no, this is a serious thing. The fear of God means we stop tolerating just a little bit of sin in my life. And instead, we come before God with a humble and contrite spirit, broken over our sin, you know, broken over our disobedience, broken over our weakness, broken over our uh, inability to please Him and say, man, God, forgive me. Please help me. I need your grace. I need your power in my life to live a life that is pleasing to you. <clears throat> the word of God is not just good advice, you know? The word of God is not just an optional add-on service, you know? When I, when I bought this tablet a few weeks ago and they said, hey, you can add two years of warranty, extra years if you want. I paid for it, you know? But the Word of God is not an optional add-on service. Like, oh, take it or leave it. It's just good advice for you to, right? The Word of God is uh, life for us. And the Word of God is God's instruction for us. It's His command for us on how to conduct ourselves in this life, it's not just an optional thing. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to share a dream. I never have dreams. But I feel like this is a dream from the Lord. I know some of you guys here are into dream interpretation. So if you have any thoughts after service, I would love to hear. You can send me an email or something. But I believe it's related to this message. I had a dream... So I preached this message in Korea last Sunday. Similar. I, I, I modified it. This one is probably better. It's more refined. Uh, um, and then, but as I was praying, beginning of this year, knowing I had to preach that last week and this week here, uh, I felt like God was leading me to this topic. So I've been meditating on it for some time. I preached on it uh, on Sunday last week. And then this week sometime, I don't know, maybe Wednesday or Wednesday night, maybe Thursday night, 
I had this dream. Uh, we were at a church. I was at a church, but it wasn't SP. It was, I was visiting a church. And uh, it, it was a big church. And outside the church was its church playground. Like it was a nice enough church to have a large playground for kids to play in. But it was kind of rainy. It was like a bit of a wet day. So the equipment was all wet. But the kids are still playing on it anyway. And the playground, they basically had these two towers, right? You know, like in the playground, they have a tower. You climb and then you go down the slide, right? And there was a tower here. But it was a pretty tall tower. And then there's another tower here and then a footbridge connecting the two. And they can play in, in the tower. But the kids were playing on the equipment. Right? So they were on top of the tower, and it's wet. So it's like slippery, and they're crossing the footbridge, like on the footbridge, going to the other tower. And the tower had these roofs that were pointed down. Like it wasn't a flat roof, right? It was like one of these roofs. And so I'm, uh, for some reason, I'm outside. I'm, like I came outside, and I saw this scene, and then I start growing nervous. I was like, oh, this man, I don't know about this. Like, thankfully, my kids weren't, you know, on the equipment. My kids were not in the dream, but they would probably be joining in if they had been there, you know. But I, I, I'm like, oh, man, this doesn't seem right. And so I'm, I'm going nervous, and I'm looking around for other adults, and I see some adults, like, older than me, and I say, hey, you know, we should probably ban this. Like, this is not safe. And the older adults, they're, they're also looking around. They're like, because they feel like, well, it's not my, my place to say anything. It's not, they're not the leaders or the pastors of this church to say this band. So they're like, oh, yeah, this, oh, man, this doesn't seem right. We're a little nervous. And I'm like, I'm ready. I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them to come down. And before, but before I get to tell them, hey, you need to come down, I'm like, Nervous at yelling at them because I don't want to freak them out and like they fall or something. But before I get to the point of telling them, hey, don't do this. This is banned. Playground is closed. I see one kid fall off the tower and this boy. And then he lands on his butt. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then another kid falls off the footbridge as she's crossing on the other side. I didn't see what happened to her. And then a third girl falls off this footbridge toward me because I'm on this side. And then she breaks, her, she breaks her leg. She falls down. She breaks her leg. And that's around the time I woke up. And, uh, and then I just felt the Holy Spirit just like move in my heart. Say, this is related to your message. And I just felt like these kids, they didn't have the fear of messing around in this equipment. Now, they didn't have this understanding, this healthy level of fear of like what the, the seriousness of the situation. And so they're messing around. Nobody's telling them to stop. And then grave consequences for, uh, for their actions. Uh, I mean, it doesn't take joseph to interpret this dream right <laughs> we're like the children we're like the children playing in this equipment and we, we don't understand we're not we're unaware of the danger of ignoring the word of god 
we're unaware of the seriousness of just living with this lack of the fear of God. And we're tolerating sin. We're doing things that are stupid. And then uh, we're taking God casually and then, and then there will be consequences. I, I don't know what the consequences. It was, just, it was, there, it was grave consequences. It was, it, was it was a big deal. When these kids fell, man, I thought, oh my gosh, that, that's, uh, that's serious. The girl breaking her leg. Um, yeah, and, and I thought, well, that's, how, that's how we are sometimes with God, with the danger of ignoring the word of God and the danger of tolerating sin. And there will be consequences. Oh, amen. So let's, we're going to close our eyes. If, can I have the worship team back up, please? Let's just take a moment, take a moment just to, uh, yeah. We'll let the word of God kind of sink in, you know. <coughs> Sorry. The fear of God is more than simply being afraid of Him, right? So that's not what it is. It's not just being afraid of God, avoiding Him, cowering in fear. That's not the heart of the Father. Yet, as we get close to Him, being close to God means we're growing in both. The love of God, understanding the freedom, the joy, the confidence, but also understanding the gravity the gravity of being in a relationship with God, that friendship with God is reserved for those who fear Him. Friendship with God is reserved for those that do what He tells us to do. And lastly, we got to stop tolerating sin. To grow in the fear of God, we have to stop tolerating sin. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, let's just sing... Just if you could sing over us a little bit and then we'll open up the altar. But I just want us to sit with it for a little bit and then, uh, and then I'll invite you up. We fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. The greatness of mercy and love at the feet.
convicted by the word of God, uh, you want to grow in the fear of the Lord, you feel like, yeah, this is something I need to grow in, um, and the altar is open, you can come to the front, and some of us will be here to pray for you, so that, um, yeah, we can be a church that really can host the presence of the Holy Spirit, so come forward, Gabby is going to lead us in, 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 the, in the song a few times. Anyone that comes, we'll just pray for you.
you're praying, please continue to pray. Um, but if you are sitting at the back, let's just stand. Let's sing this song one more time, and then we'll finish our service. Sing, we fall down. that's the only right response before a holy God is to fall down to recognize God you are holy other God you are glorious God you are not one of us God you're not like us and you deserve you deserve our humble worship before you, God. Help us, Lord, to have that humility, that sense of awe, God, that we would be awestruck at your majesty, your glory, your power. And I pray that we would walk in that broken, contrite spirit before you. Yeah, thank you, God. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for all the people that uh, came out and just... uh, with the desire to grow in the fear of God, I pray that you would move in our hearts. Yeah, it's not something we could do in our own strength, God. Holy Spirit, would you come? Let the spirit of the fear of God come upon us as a church, that we would honor you and we would walk um, rightly, God, before you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you uh, and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace, shalom, from this day forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Please go out to the foyer to buy some stuff from YWAM. If you want to receive prayer for anything, please come to the front. The well team would be happy to pray for you.